Tell me the story of Jesus. One hundred six. Sing all three stanzas. One hundred six. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart, every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed His birth. Glory to God in the highest. Oh, 
Lord, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here together this morning to worship you. Thank you, Lord, that we still have this freedom to worship and meet. Lord, I ask, Lord, that our worship, Lord, this morning would be done in spirit and truth. Meet our needs, Lord. Speak to hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. We'll sing our last song. And uh, uh, we're stuck in the hundreds, I guess. We're going to sing. Turn to 151. 151. Sing this one. Recording better on the steel string. Jesus is coming again. Okay. Wow. Be flat. Okay. All right. One fifty-one. Marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing. Wonderful word of the Lions escape zoo enclosure. What to know about mistletoe? 
What happens to your body when you eat chocolate every day? I give the answer to the third one, you get very happy. But uh, my thought was consideration, considering thinking about something. Sometimes we don't think about much when we hear news, uh, read news. We just let it go like that. Oh, well, whatever. If you have uh, something done that you don't agree with, you just say, well, those people doing it again, they're so bad. That's kind of about the extent of our thinking. You got to think beyond that. You have to think about what are the causes that lets things happen as it goes. For example, Brittany Griner back home in the U.S. because it was President Joe Biden's uh, uh, priority in exchange for a notorious arms dealer. This is from Dallas Morning News, Victor Bout. So you exchange a, a murderer, a terrorist, arms dealer for a basketball player while you let another former Marine rot in prison after four years. And so I don't see the equity there. I don't see the fairness there. I don't see, I see a lot of problems there with that. And uh, yet, it's just my voice, my opinion. But I'm thinking about something when I read the news. Something goes through my head. Uh, when I think about theft in big box stores, uh, National Retail Federation, $100 billion is lost every year because of theft. You wonder why prices are going up? Many reasons, but that's one reason. Stores do not exist to lose money. They exist to make profit, which is how it should be. So when you have people that are almost protected and uh, they are encouraged to steal, you remember when they had riots in the last two, in 2020 and violence and crime, def, uh, and destruction of private property and government property and they were immune to any prosecution? Then you had people raiding stores, carrying out carts load of stuff up to $900. Don't stop them, let them go. Someone's gonna have to pay for that. You know who pays for all of that stuff? Accumulating piling up, the consumer does. And uh, there's a thing in Walmart that a couple years ago in Beaumont, Texas, it's a little pie, cherry pie, apple pie, uh, blueberry pie, 50 cents at Walmart. You know what it is now? Back home it was 20, 60 cents, 10 cent difference. Now it's over a dollar. The same thing that once was 50 cents, over a buck. Now the only thing going on now is gas prices at Sam's. If you don't know, Sam's Club, 418, 416 now a gallon. It's going down. But um, things are going to go up because of things like this. And uh, ex-Home Depot CEO says it's an epidemic ahead of the Christmas rush season. The degree of severity now is just not theft, it's smashing grab. There's an entitlement. That's what I was looking for, entitlement out there that if you have it, you've worked hard to earn it, but I want it and I'm going to just take it. Why not, if you can get away with it? There's plenty of people like that without any character, and they will take something for nothing while you don't have to pay for it. You think that's wrong? What are you thinking about when you read something like that? Oh, those Democrats, those liberals, is that all you think about? I, I think a little bit more about that. I think people are robbing, stealing people. Everybody's paying for them. They're entitled. Free tuition. Why? Why? Free tuition. Why should it be forgiven? Just because. Well, how about previous generations who had to pay for the tuition, work through school, their parents, parents, grandparents put the bill for them to go through college. You gonna reimburse them? No. So I think certain things, I consider certain things. And I think, will a man rob God? We're so offended by people defrauding stores and so much unfairness with these things, and yet 
Will a man rob God, Malachi says? Yet have you robbed God. So I think about certain things in connection to non-spiritual things. You should as well. Your brain should engage to something spiritual. Behold the fowls of the air, the lilies of the field. Are you not much better than they? You should consider spiritual things in connection to secular things. It should not be divorced. Things should be connected. Um, I, I meet people all the time that uh, do strange things. I can't say anything about it. It's not my business. But uh, I, I look at that. I hear that. I hear people talk. I once gave a ride to people coming down from the Coast Guard Station on Sand Island Road. Three guys and a woman. About 9 o'clock, heading off to Waikiki, going to go drinking at some restaurant, some bar. And you know, they were talking so much about how much fun they're going to have. And all the time, the chatter was about cussing out their boss and cussing out their fellow employee or uh, you know, co-worker. They're just foul language, just coming out of the mouth. I mean, it's just natural to them. I'm thinking about certain things. So I said, hey, you know, uh, we don't talk about this van. Excuse me. They said, oh, okay, sorry. I said, yeah, this is my grandkids. This is my, the grandkids stay in this car, and I don't allow them to cuss. Of course, they don't. And so, you know, hate to uh, ruin your, you know, but I, I don't allow them in the car. That's okay with you. Oh, sorry, 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 you know. But this is just a normal course of life, the way people talk. I do understand it. But I, I think I consider there is a, a lessening in people's minds every day, it seems like, that God is not a part of anything. God is not all of their thoughts, which is to say, what do you expect when that happens to people? If you are God, without God in your life, you're going to be Godless. If you have God in your life, you're more godly. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, acknowledge that you're listening, please. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. All right. I mean, don't be Asian. You know, Asians are. Asians just, or don't be Southern Baptist. You ever see Southern Baptist churches that just sit there, their robes like that? No Bible. They're just sitting there listening to the man preach like that. The lights are down, but just like that in their robes. In these mega churches, they don't say anything. Charles Stanley, anybody as a Southern Baptist that you see. Now, the ones that make noise are the charismatic and Pentecostals. And I'm thinking, so I'm considering things. Why could not the Baptist have a little bit of feeling about things? A little bit. Just a little bit. Why let the Pentecostals have all the excitement? They get excited about everything that they shouldn't be excited about. Why can't we who know the truth and know the Lord be excited about the things of God? That's what I'm considering. Anyway, um, one more thing that I read. This is a sports issue. The number one tennis player, ranked tennis player, female. Uh, Mary, you might be able to pronounce her name, but Inga Swiatek, something like that. What? Swiatek. That's the one. You know, she's 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 great. She's a great tennis. She's only 20. And people are idolizing her. She says, here's what she says about herself. This makes me feel good about, about uh, there's some people that are at least decent. She says, when I look in the mirror, this is in the context of her being a great tennis player at 20, number one. When I look in the mirror, here's what she says, I see a mess. That is profound. I see a mess. She's saying, I just see a regular 20-year-old that can play tennis. That's all she sees. That's good. That tells me that some people have some sense of priority and humility they appreciate what they do 
they can do what they do, but they are not big headed, they're not narcissistic, they're not important. They don't have to have a yacht that's costing $350 million. Uh, there is a nice card that Nathan made, it's on the back table, it's for free. And so anything back there is good in the red, the red um, I would say red carpet, but it's not red carpet, it's red, um, what's the one I'm looking for, Mary? Tablecloth. Tablecloth, yes. And so take one of those, and of course have tracks with you. I've been able to get a lot of tracks uh, more than usual because I'm in more contact with people, and so that's a blessing. Uh, people do not turn out Christmas tracks. The only time Christmas tracks don't go out is when you don't give them out. That's when they don't get out. Okay, so have a little guts, have a little courage, carry them with you, give them out. They are no good sitting here in church during Christmas season. Christmas tracks will get into the, 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 the cupboard until next Christmas. We want to get rid of the Christmas tracks, all right? So do that, please. Okay, one last thought here. Uh, Miranda is in Texas now. She got there on Thursday. Her mom came down with her. Now her mom's going to go to her other daughter's house in Houston. And so uh, she'll be back, uh, the Lord willing, on the 20th of this month. And so I must confess to you, do not come visit me because my house is a wreck. Not a wreck so much as to say that I'm now a bachelor for a little while. And I have reverted back to my old days before I got married, which is not a good thing. And so, um, of course, the grandkids contribute to the mess, the little ones, uh, Ethan and uh, Benjamin, they contribute to the mess. Other than that, I'm doing okay, and she's having a good time, and uh, so do pray for her while she finishes up her short visit to Texas. If we could condense all the truths of Christmas into three words, it would be God with us, which is true. So consider that Christ of Christmas. Always do that. Stay balanced, stay focused. Uh, show love to everybody you need to show love to, but don't forget Jesus Christ. He is the focus of Christmas. It is not Mary. It's not the shepherds. It's not the wise men. It's not Herod. It's not the angels. But it's the focus of Christmas. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the focus of Christmas. Always keep that in mind as you celebrate Christmas, explain to your children, Christ is the most important person of Christmas. Uh, Carmen requested prayer for her Walmart downtown because of theft and because of fear of um, aggressive shoplifters. And so do pray for Carmen and the Walmart downtown on uh, King and uh, Bethel Street. Uh, they seem to have a lot of people that come off the streets there and they steal. And uh, they seem to have no way of stopping it. Management seems to not respond, but uh, uh, you know, she asked for prayer. For that situation please do that when you think about walmart and pray for carmen and the others to have safety too okay it's really bad out there we don't seem to notice it we don't seem to feel it but those who are there every day they seem to see more than what we see and they do need prayer Pray for policemen there was an incident on kuhil avenue on waikiki i think it was thursday and uh, so a lot of crazy stuff is going on uh, and so but still we still we thank god for christmas for jesus being born we still are grateful that he came to this world and we're happy about that. And so no matter what you go through, no matter how you feel about different situations, you can at least be thankful and be somewhat joyful because the Lord did come. December 25th, notwithstanding, the fact that he came should make you a little bit happy that you know the true and living God and you linked up to him and one day you're gonna be in heaven with him. That ought to make you happy, regardless of circumstances, okay? Amen.
Turn to Acts chapter 6. We are continuing our study on different characters in the Bible, different individuals. Last week, I gave you a lesson on King Josiah. Today, we're going to look at Stephen in the New Testament. Stephen, Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Go down to verse 6. Whom they set before the, the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multitude in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, I, I skipped the um, other men listed there because uh, I understand Stephen was not the only one, but he's the one that I'm going to be focusing on this morning. And so Stephen was one of the first deacons that was chosen in the early church after Jesus ascended up into heaven and they continued the early church with the, the apostles. You have what we read there was there were some there was a need for these people in the church to help out because they were the the, the apostles and and other people the leaders of the church were burdened with uh, too many duties and, and responsibilities and so they needed other people to help them and so they had these these requirements that were necessary for choosing these men who, in all practical purposes, were the first deacons in the early church, Stephen being one of them. The, the first time Stephen is mentioned in the Bible is right here in Acts chapter 6. This is the first time that Stephen is mentioned. The name Stephen means crown. Crown. That's what his name means. And not only was Stephen one of the first deacons that was chosen in the early church, but he is also the first martyred disciple, as we're going to see. Stephen was killed for his faith in Jesus Christ and, and his preaching and other things. And so he was the first disciple. Now, of course, he's not one of the original 12, but he was still a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to give you three outstanding characteristics of Stephen this morning. First thing I want to mention is that he was a distinguished disciple, Stephen. He was a distinguished disciple. Look at verse 3 again. The Bible says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. So they're going to choose seven men. And these men from among the church within them, they have to meet these qualifications. He says, Look out ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom. There's these qualifications that they have to meet. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, And the same pleased the whole multitude, 
and they chose Stephen. Notice he's the first one who's mentioned. And then it says, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Look again at verse 8. Look, verse 8 says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So Stephen met these qualifications. He was honest. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of wisdom. He was full of power. Stephen has these qualities. He was a distinguished disciple among all the, the people there. They have to pick out these men, and Stephen stood out among the crowd. Stephen was a man who met these qualifications. How did they know that he was full of the Holy Spirit? Were they able to look at his heart and tell the condition of his heart? You cannot tell the condition of somebody's heart just by looking at the individual many times. You have to observe the individual. You have to see if there is fruit. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance. You have to observe the individual. You have to observe the individual and, and see what, what their person their, their habits are, their, the, uh, how consistent they are. Uh, he, they, the Bible says that he was full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Well, if he was full of wisdom, that means they have to observe him. He has to have a consistent testimony. They have to talk to him. They have to see what he says. They have to examine him. He, he has to have this, this consistent pattern of service within the church. They say, it said he was full of wisdom. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Undoubtedly, he displayed the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He had a testimony. He had a testimony. They knew that they could rely on him. They knew that he, they could depend on him. They knew, based on observing him, based on his history, based on his past, he had a pattern of being responsible. He was consistent in his Christian walk. He wasn't up and down and backsliding and... and out of church for months at a time, and then he comes back and wishy-washy, flaky type of Christian. He was consistent. He had to be in order to be to meet the qualifications for this position as the deacon in the church. He had a testimony. He had a testimony. I read about a female soccer player who refused to wear the uh, Jersey that they were issuing the, the players to wear during the month of June, Pride Month. It had the rainbow colors representing the homosexual movement for Pride Month. And so uh, they had all the, the players in this soccer team wear this jersey for the month of June, and she refused to wear it. She refused to wear it. Don't you think that she suffered some repercussions for that? Of course she did. She was criticized, and people accused her of being intolerant and homophobic and hateful and all of these things. Isn't it strange that there's this minority group who claims that they're discriminated against and they have a whole month that's devoted to their cause, yet they're discriminated against? And so this soccer player, she would not wear those colors, she said, because it goes against her beliefs. Publicly. Publicly. Now that took some courage. That took some courage. I read about a a uh, police officer during the Black Lives Matter movement, all of these police officers were bowing their knee in protest or in support of the Black Lives Matter and, and protesting the police brutality and all of these things. And all of these black police officers were bowing in support of their, their 
their support for the Black Lives Matter movement. And this black police officer would not bow. He said, I don't bow my knee for anybody except God. Amen. Now that took some courage. That took some courage. They had some of these people, they have that showing a testimony, an outward public testimony, in spite of the opposition and the consequences. Stephen had a testimony. Stephen was honest. The Bible said he was honest. He was honest. He was honest with his dealings with, I'm sure, with money. You know, there was a teenager, teenage boy in Albuquerque, New Mexico, who stumbled upon, next to an ATM, he stumbled upon a bag full of cash, $135,000. Can you believe that? Imagine you're walking in the sidewalk and there's this bag with $135,000 in cash. What would most teenagers do with that? They would grab it and run, right? Head to the shopping mall or someplace. You know what he did? He called 911 and reported it. Yeah. Now, you know, you know how that money ended up there? I couldn't believe this. You know those armored vans, security? They take large amounts of money to and from banks and, and businesses and things. So this guy, he went to empty out the ATM machine. He was supposed to put it in his truck. He forgot it. The cash left it there on the sidewalk <laughs> near a bank, Wells Fargo Bank. <laughs> I think he lost his job over that one. But can you imagine a teenage boy finding that amount of money and reporting it and not keeping it or not keeping a little bit of it? I mean, that would have been a temptation. Oh, I'm just going to, you know, take out a few thousand and then report it so I don't get in trouble and they'll never know. And I'll still be honored as, as being honest and, you know, it's a win-win situation. No, he didn't take a dime. Now, of course, they rewarded him a little bit of money for doing that, for turning it in. But, I mean, that's honesty. You know, Stephen stood out among the crowd. He was not carnal. He was not worldly. He was not lukewarm. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Stephen was not conforming to the world. He didn't hang out with the wrong crowd. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 1, Verse 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law shall he meditate day and night. Stephen was a distinguished disciple. Something about Stephen stood out among the crowd where, when they were supposed to select these deacons to, and to give these, these duties and these responsibilities for the church. The first person they thought about was Stephen. Notice when we read that list, he was the first one who was mentioned. So these guys got together and undoubtedly they prayed and they said, okay, we've got to figure out, we've got to, we've got to um, ordain or, or appoint or delegate these duties to these certain responsibilities to these individuals in our church. And the, we, they can't just be just anybody. We've got to figure out who it is, who, who can, 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 uh, uh, we can delegate these duties to and who's responsible enough 
who can man up and, and, and somebody who can fulfill these duties, who should we pick? And according to the Bible, it, it appears that the first person that they said, oh, well, of course, Stephen. Stephen's the, the first person who comes to mind. Definitely Stephen. Why? Because of some of the things that I just mentioned. Stephen, he was a distinguished disciple. He was a distinguished disciple. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Undoubtedly, he was a, a church worker. He was a, a soul winner. He was not just a, what they call a pew warmer. He was not somebody that would just come to church and sit there and then leave and never get involved with the church. He was a hands-on type of Christian. He was somebody that was active already. What type of Christian are you? Are you a distinguished disciple or are you just a regular average Christian who just comes to church and never gets involved and never tries to go soul winning and never witnesses, just come and go once in a while when it's convenient what about people who you know on the outside, outside of church? Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. You know, there should be some people who, if they know you well enough, they should know that you have these good qualities about you, honest and all of those things, responsible. But you know, there are some people who should think that there's something strange about you, believe it or not. First Peter chapter 4, verse 4, look what the Bible says. Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Mm -hmm. You know, as a Christian, you should be separated, separated from the world. What type of Christian are you? Are you the type of Christian similar to Stephen or are you just, just an average Christian? Would the church be able to rely on you if the church needed you or somebody to be able to take up this, do, perform this task? Something else about Stephen. Go back to Acts chapter six. Not only was he a distinguished disciple, but he had a direct delivery when he preached. Acts chapter 6, we're going to see something about Stephen. After he was chosen and ordained as a deacon, we're going to see what he did. He didn't just help out in the church. Look how Stephen was a bold witness for Christ. And do you know it said that he was full of the Holy Ghost? And if you read the characteristics of some of the people in the Bible, especially in the book of Acts, when it says that they were full of the Holy Ghost, it's not always they spoke in tongues. <laughs> I mean, that may have happened in Acts chapter 2, but if you keep on reading, and it and every time it says full, they were full of the Holy Ghost, many of the times it says they spake with boldness. That was one of the marks of being full of the Holy Ghost was speaking and preaching the gospel with boldness. If you read and do a study on that phrase. Look at Acts chapter 6, verse 9. Acts chapter 6, verse 9. Then arose, there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and, and the spirit by which he spake. 
Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. Notice that the accusations are similar to those that were made against Jesus Christ by the scribes and Pharisees. They're doing the same thing to Stephen. And it goes on and it says in verse 13, and set up false witnesses which said, this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he said, Men and brethren, and fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in uh, Karen, which was uh, another spelling for the for Haran back in the book of Genesis. And he proceeds to give them a history lesson of basically the nation of Israel and brings them all the way up to date to Jesus Christ. And he talks about how Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he basically accuses them of killing, murdering their Messiah. He was very direct in his delivery. He didn't tippy-toe and, and uh, just tell them what, what he thought they wanted to hear. And notice that this discourse that he gave them is at a legal council. He's not simply preaching a message in church where, well, some people might get offended, but that's the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> oh, they might, they might leave and they might not come back. No, this is a legal counsel where he knows that if they don't like what he says, then the consequences are jail, imprisonment, and or death. And he doesn't hold back. He doesn't compromise. He doesn't water down the message. He's very, very direct in his discourse. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Did you know that Jesus predicted that this would happen to the disciples? Matthew chapter 10, look at verse 17. Jesus said, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Look at verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus said, you guys, you, you want to follow me? You want to preach? You want to go and proclaim the gospel and preach about me and my death, burial, and resurrection and preach that I'm the Messiah? Great, but I'm telling you, there, there's gonna, you're going to be persecuted. They're going to deliver you up to these Jewish councils. Because what they think you are preaching, they think that you, you guys, are, you're a cult. And they think that you are preaching blasphemy and false doctrine. And they're going to deliver you up to these councils. You're going to they're in the synagogues. They're going to beat you. They're going to whip you. They're going to kill you, torture you, some of you. Hey, but he said, don't be afraid of them. Even if they kill you. Yeah, they can, they, all they can do is kill your body. 
He said, you need to fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's who you really need to fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You do the right thing, you suffer the consequences, but your Father in heaven will reward you. The Bible says, be thou faithful unto death and he will give thee a crown of life. He was very direct. He was, Actually, he was offensive. Go to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Look at verse 51. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. He says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do ye. Notice he said, You, not we, you. You did it. He was very direct. Look at verse 52. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. He's calling them murderers. Verse 53, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. He says, not only did you guys and your fathers persecute the people that God sent to you, the prophets, you murdered your Messiah and you haven't kept the law. Now, what do you think these people thought when they were hearing that? Here's these scribes and these priests and these Pharisees and they're undoubtedly they're thinking, what? How dare you? How dare you? Don't you know who we are? We're the religious leaders. We're the holy people. Imagine somebody going to the Vatican and saying that to the Pope and the Cardinals. What do you think their response would be? <laughs> who do you think you are? Don't you know who I am? Well, they were pretty much the, the what the Catholic Church is today. The, the the Pharisees they were what the at that time they were pretty much what the Catholic Church is today. The holy men of God who don't even keep keep the keep the word of God. And Stephen preached direct delivery. Direct delivery. He was very direct. The Bible says. Cry loud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. You read about prophets in the Bible like Micaiah and, and uh, um, uh, people and, and um, other other uh, prophets that would that would go and 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 preach straight pointed preaching toward the the kings and they would be persecuted for it. Um, Amos and, and Isaiah and people like that. Paul instructed Timothy, he, he said, um, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Pointed, pointed preaching, pointed preaching, direct delivery. You know, nobody enjoys hearing that they're sick. You go to the doctor, you go to the dentist, he, he says, guess what? We have the results. We have your your." Diagnosis. I have the results of your blood work. I have the results of your ex, your dental X-ray. I have some bad news. Nobody enjoys hearing that. You know what you do enjoy hearing though? That they have a cure for it. They have a cure for it. It's treatable. The loss. They don't want to hear direct, pointed preaching, Bible preaching. 
That's why you look at some of the largest churches in the country. Big mega churches. What do you think the preaching is like in those churches? It's very accommodating. It's not Bible preaching. It's motivational speaking. And that's why those churches are as large as they are. Because people are not offended. They can leave feeling good about themselves. <laughs> that's not how Stephen preached. That's not how the apostles preached. He preached a very direct delivery. And then last of all, Stephen, not only was he a distinguished disciple, not only did he have a direct delivery, but he had a dignified death. Go to Acts chapter 7, verse 59. Acts chapter 7, verse 59. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, which is a phrase for being he died. They stoned him to death. Did you know Paul, Saul, before he, Paul, before he was saved, his name was Saul. Did you know it says that he was involved in this? Look at verse 58. And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Stephen died as a martyr. As a martyr. Uh, it, it appears that he's the first Christian martyr. After Jesus died and ascended up into heaven, when we read the book of Acts, it appears that Stephen is the first one who died for his faith and was persecuted this way for his faith. Notice he, like Christ, he forgave his accusers. Lay not this sin to their charge. Note, while he was dying. I mean, if somebody is being stoned to death and they're dying and then this position and they lash out and they, they, they walk after the flesh temporarily, uh, normally, I mean, we would excuse that. I mean, I mean, gosh, this guy, he's being stoned to death wrongfully and, and I mean, give the guy a break. He's, he, he's allowed a carnal moment in that time. Uh, to lash out with bitterness and hatred toward his accusers. No, Stephen didn't do that. He didn't yield to the flesh. Even while he was dying, he's still full of the Holy Spirit and he's still just like Jesus Christ. He's still saying, lay not this sin to their charge. He was Christ-like. He was doing the Lord's work. While he died, he was doing the Lord's work. I remember when Larry King interviewed Billy Graham. Larry King asked Billy Graham, "How do you how do you want to die? What do you, to describe? What, how do you want you know all your loved ones at your bedside and all of that, or uh, at at the time that you have to die? What do you want that to be like?" And Billy Graham said, "No, I don't want to be in bed with my loved ones around me in bed before I die. I want to die while I'm preaching in the pulpit." That's what he said. He wanted to die while he was doing the Lord's work. Stephen died, not just while doing the Lord's work, but he died because he was doing the Lord's work. David Livingston, the great famous uh, uh, um, missionary to Africa. Was his first name David? No. David yeah, David. yeah, David. David. David Livingston. You know what he did or what he suffered while he was a missionary in Africa? He was attacked by a lion. 
His arm was injured. He had poor eyesight. His hearing was impaired. His boat sank. His wife died. His son died in the Civil War. He got sick and he was found dead on his knees. Dead on his knees. Most likely in prayer. Died while doing the Lord's work. The Bible says, for me to live as Christ. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. What does that mean, for me to live as Christ? That means Christ should be the most important thing in your life. That means your life should revolve around serving Jesus Christ. For me to live as Christ. For some people, their favorite hobby is, you could say, for me to live is golf. <laughs> Many people here in Hawaii, they come from all over the world to Hawaii, the North Shore. For me to live is surfing for most people, for most people. I remember when I first started surfing as a young teenager, and oh man, I was so fanatical about it, and it was, it was addicting, and I remember uh, they, reading these surfing magazines and and all of this, and they, there were these slogans that, that I would come across, bumper stickers or ads for um, surfing accessories and things, and some of these slogans were, were uh, surfing is my life. I remember writing stuff like this on the, the book covers of my school books and drawing little waves and all of this, surfing, or on a t-shirt, surfing is my life. Surf to live, live to surf. And those slogans exist for other sports and things too. But especially for surfing. You know, they have what's called surf bums. You know what a surf bum is? A bum who surfs. Why do they call them surf bums? Because they are so obsessed with surfing that surfing is more important than a steady job and a steady income. And they will spend all their time surfing and traveling and going on surfing trips when they can't even afford it. And they will... I mean, live off pennies to go and surf. I know guys that they go, <laughs> I hear stories at work where they say, oh yeah, so-and-so, he just got back from a surf trip in Indonesia. He was there for a whole month or two months and he comes back and he, and he says, oh, he, he, he doesn't even know how he's going to make rent this month because he's broke. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, 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 they're very irresponsible and they let a certain recreational sport or activity or a hobby just overtake their life. I remember I had a roommate, this guy. He was he was a surf bum. Uh, had a part-time job shaping surfboards and the rest of the time all he did was just surf and watch TV. And I remember I'm, I'm pulling out. We live right across from the beach. And I'm driving, I'm pulling out, and I'm going to work and I see him and he's walking across the street with his surfboard to go surfing. And I yell out of the car and I said, surf bum! And he looks at me and goes, that's right! He was proud, proud. Now some people, for, for those people, the Bible says, for me to live is Christ. For those people, for me to live is surfing. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's pleasure it's recreation there was a man who planned his funeral and he designed his own casket his coffin in the shape of a giant beer can that's what he wanted to be buried in 
in a giant beer can. For him, for him to live was beer. Beer. Drinking beer. Wow. What a legacy. What 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 a what a fulfilling life to live. Stephen, Stephen, for him to live was Christ. For him to live was Christ. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That was true of Stephen. He died a dignified death. There's a saying that says, just one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The judgment seat of Christ. Gold, silver, precious stones versus wood, hay, and stubble. Stephen, a distinguished disciple with a direct delivery who died a dignified death. First deacon, first Christian martyr, Stephen. Stephen, a lot of good things we can draw from Stephen's life, an example from his life to apply to our own life. Notice, I started out and I said the word, the, the name Stephen means crown. Crown. And the Bible talks about earning crowns. Crowns, judgment seat of Christ. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. Stephen earned a crown. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for these examples from Stephen. Pray that we'll look at these things and be able to apply these things to our own life and help us be better Christians to serve you, serve you to the end and be fruit-bearing, faithful, active, uncompromising Christians. Help us to get victory over sin and the flesh and help us to keep our eyes on Christ. Uh, pray that for us to live would be Christ, not all these other things, these distractions in the world and uh, things that uh, attract the flesh, but that we would be spiritually minded and have the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.